On today's episode of Relationship Status, the team is joined by Dr. Michael and Dr. Barbara Grossman, relationship therapists and authors of the book, Ageist Love. They talk about how they made it to 50 years of marriage, they give their thoughts on 50-50, roles in a marriage, and the divorce rate today. They then get into their book, Ageist Love, and talk about the eight prescriptions to a good marriage. Let's start the show. Welcome, welcome back to Relationship Status. This is your host, C.L. Butler. And your boy, Yusuf in the building. And remember, you can catch us on all podcast platforms. Remember to like, comment, share, five-star rate. And if you want to join the conversation, email us, R-E-L-S-T-A-T, podcast, C. Tell me about it, Yusuf. Man, we have another We have another Monday, man. We are, we are, minus one. Minus one. Nick minus is out. one. Did, she, did Nick make her three in a, three in a week, three in a row? She, she, she did. She did. She did, did. make her she quota did. of three in a row. She did. Yes. Or she, you know, got yeah. back to her old ways. <laughs> yeah. Nah, man. She just she just out for this episode. We're okay. Just, we're gonna put it as just this episode. Just this episode. We ain't gonna condemn it yet. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. We won't. How's your week? How's everything go for the weekend and all that? Oh, uh, great. No complaints. No complaints. No complaints. Ask for ask for wisdom and understanding and all that I do. <laughs> Trying to take a more Pure approach to life. I'm a pure approach. Yes, yes. I'm with you then. Yes, I'm gonna take on the CL uh, approach. All right. This this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's gonna happen next week. Mm-hmm. It might be a little. Yeah, different. it could be. Could you change up on us? <laughs> could change up on us. Yes. Well, um, we are. We have some special guests with us today. It. Uh, they are Dr. Michael and Dr. Barbara Grossman. Um, who uh, teach practical skills and allow couples uh, experience a profound deepening of emotional and spiritual life through the romantic relationship. Now, we, before we bring them in, it's 50 years of marriage. We're about to introduce it. Mm-hmm. So we got to make sure we give them the right coming on in. How you guys doing today? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. It is a pleasure having you guys uh, on the show. Um, when we got reached out to uh, for y'all to be on, we we got excited. Really did. Yeah. To, to okay, fifty years of marriage. How did that begin? Let's start there. We're gonna get right into it. It it began with um, a wonderful ten years of our first marriage, where we were very much doing whatever I thought was the best thing to do. <laughs> very cooperative. And I really liked that marriage. That, that was really nice. Okay. And then uh, Barbara, but well, we were like 21 when we got married. And then Barbara went back to graduate school and uh, she started to think for herself, have her own ideas, her own feelings, her own way of understanding. And, and uh, that created six years of really difficult, marriage where where we were kind of struggling because um, I wasn't used to that and uh, she was not happy with um, my uh, domination and uh, we went to a lot of classes and courses we, we did a lot of marriage counseling which didn't really help very much and uh, but the courses and classes were very helpful okay and, and over time it took about six years 
we created a different relationship where it was a relationship of two equal people having their own point of view and learning how to share and talk and listen to each other. And out of that, we created a much deeper, but very different type of uh, relationship. Okay. That's very, so very our, interesting. Our, our story isn't unique. Okay. Um, you know, women, women, you know, make, having babies um, makes them, you know, more connecting oriented for a long time and more service to the families. And so they, they, they're, you know, if you, if you take that road, you get married and have children, you're somewhat delayed in your, you know, learning how to be independent and grow a vocation and your, you know, your personal development. And so it's, it's not uncommon for a man and a woman of even of the same age to be in very different developmental places. Okay. It, it leads to misunderstanding and, and it leads to uh, what we call power struggle. You know who's who's right, whose whose needs are more important, all of that chaos, and uh, eventually women catch up to men uh, because uh, they you know in our culture women work and um, and they have children and and uh, it's just that baby stage is is so focused on mostly mothers that it it keeps us um, it just delays our development so it's it's a rough patch for most couples. Okay, now you mentioned age. Uh, if I could ask, what, what's the difference in you all's age? And is that a factor in most relationships' age? Well, I'm I'm uh, one year younger than Michael. Okay. And, and uh, uh, I don't know that um, it, it's more developmental status that okay. makes the difference. You know, I th- you know, we fall in love. You know, if we fall in love when we're young, it's... Um, you know, we fall in love based on affinity, and it's um, it's easy because uh, we're not that developed. And um, how does what's the first step someone needs to take in developing it? Well, you know, you know, you have to do something when you're you're disagreeing and you're disagreeable, and it's prolonged and and it's not pleasant being together. Okay. You know, you have to do something. Yeah. So you and, have to um, recognize you have a problem first. Yes. Okay. Yes, and it, it hurts. It doesn't feel good, for sure. You, you know, we we get together because we want to. Um, we get together because of our affinities. We get surprised by our differences. We don't know how to talk about them. We're delayed uh, by months and years. And by the time we're talking about our differences, we're we're angry at each other. So it's not good. It's and not it, good. This is for all couples. So is it? Is it? Why do? Why is it? Such, why is so? Diff, why is it so difficult to have diff, to have hard conversations? Well, mostly because we don't know how to talk to each other and we don't know how to talk to each other when the feelings are, are calm, when we can share that we're hurt mm-hmm. or we're, we're sad or we feel pain about this or we're uncomfortable. We usually hold on to it because we want to be nice. And by the time we talk about it, we're angry and pissed off. And that, that doesn't work. And so we shouldn't talk when emotions are involved. Oh, we, we, or we, anger. We want to share feelings, but anger's really anger's not a primary feeling. Most people don't know that. Okay. Anger, anger is is uh, is built on top of fear and hurt. And if we talk about what we're afraid of, we talk about what hurts. Our partners can hear us better. Mm-hmm. When, when we, you know, we think we're being nice by delaying those conversations, but by the time we catch up to um, talking about our feelings, and if we're angry, it it just doesn't produce the benefit. 
And, and what we can add is that it's very helpful to make appointments to talk about difficult situations rather than just feeling at the moment, oh, I'm angry, and you just let it all out. Mm -hmm. Much better to make an appointment and you make it where everyone is comfortable. You can sit down and listen. And, and we teach couples that in our classes, that you need to make appointments and then you need to have the time where you can listen to each other and understand that the anger is just the outer shell. You want to hear, well, what's beneath the anger? What's the hurt? What's the fears? What's, what's going on? You've got to be able to listen to your partner, not just react to their anger. Reacting to their anger is not helpful. It's not. Okay, now if you wanted to set up an appointment to have this conversation, is this something that should happen weekly, daily, monthly? We teach our couples to do it daily. Daily, but okay. Not, but not for um, always talking about upsets. Couples okay. should talk together every day, have an appointment time where you just are sharing about how things are going for you could be anything but when there's an angry situation then you've got to make a special appointment just to deal with that so okay. pretty much it's like a daily wellness check yes a daily sharing where you're listening to each other you know you can share positive things too yeah, yeah. just want to share what's going on couples nowadays are so busy with everything mm -hmm. that they tend to really uh share their heart with their with their partner you need to share your heart every day not just you know the practical things of what needs to be done you want to share how did your day go and we teach couples how to do it it's like learning to ride a bicycle or playing basketball it, it takes time or learning a new dance step it takes time to learn that so we teach couples how to listen to each other without interrupting and that takes a little bit of skill to do that. I was about to say that's an art. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, in the during a, a, a conversation with a couple, now they tell me I interrupt people a lot. And I've he, been he does. I've been told that. <laughs> um, if someone is saying something you disagree with, and they tend to talk in paragraphs instead of sentences. Uh, how do you interject respectfully without cutting the other person off? Well, first of all, you you, um, you, you know, you could have a conversation just about that. I really, you could say to your partner, you know, I, honey, I really want to hear your point of view. It's very important to me. I want to be a great partner. Mm -hmm. right? I need to hear your thoughts in smaller uh, ear gulps. You need to speak more briefly. Okay. So make requests in fact you know that's the the one of the great benefits of sharing like this is that you get feedback about yourself and you give feedback to your partner feedback that nobody else on this planet can give you that will improve you over life it is the it is a an ongoing personal development program that can't be beat by any therapist or any other kind of program because your partner knows you better and the feedback is meaningful and mm -hmm. so you you don't in the moment if you're hearing something and it's it sounds like a um, uh, a speech, not a share. Yes. Um, you can you can you know you hear it out and you respond and then in your in the time when you have to share your feelings, you just say you need you need more brief feedback. 
it's each, your partner speaks too long. So brief right. is the, the, the word I need to use. <laughs> I need a little brief. Well, but what I would add is that what we teach our couples, if you're going to do daily sharing, uh-huh. which we recommend, there's, a, there's, there's sort of like rules for that game to make it work really well. If you're playing checkers, there's certain rules that you have to abide by. So one goes and the other goes, and then this happens and that happens. In the sharing process, what we teach our couples is that one, you've got to learn the rules first. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the rules are one person will share and they'll share for three to five minutes. Three to without, five minutes. Without interrupting. That's not, that's not just one thought. That's many thoughts. You have all the thoughts you have to share in, f- in three to five minutes. Right? Okay. And the only other person can do is to say thank you. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, thank should you. I should I use a timer? Because I'm going to try this. That timer is fine. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> Doc, don't leave me wrong. <laughs> well, you're, bound by the, you're bound by the same three to five minutes. Right. You okay. have to have rules. You both agree. That's why we have you take our class. And you practice it mm-hmm. because there's a lot of little squiggles that come up. And and when you take our class, you you go and practice it. And then you come back and we talk about what happens. And no, you, you, you broke the rule here and you can't do this, you can't do that. But that's the general rule that three to five minutes you're listening to your partner. Okay. Say, Thank you for sharing. And then when the five minutes is up, then you switch and then it's your turn to respond and 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 you share and the other and your partner's listening and then you uh, and that's it and then you don't talk about it afterwards for 24 hours you want to digest what your partner's saying instead of reacting to it again okay um now now before we get into uh your book um my question one of the questions I had for you guys is that you deal with a lot of couples and right now there's a lot of divorce. Divorce rates are high. What do you see as the issue? What do you think is more of an overarching issue to that reason that it's increasing more so than, you know, being more long, you know, there's not a lot of long-term marriages now because even my marriage was three years, you know? So what do you see as a factor as now, because, I mean, y'all are 50 in, and y'all are also ushering couples into longer um, marriages. So what do you think is an issue why, you know, there's a lot of divorce now? What happens in marriages today compared to 100 years ago? 100 years ago, um, marriage was a necessity for survival. Okay. Have the man working, and the woman took care of the kids, and as long as the man brought home enough money to make the family work, he did his job as, as the husband. And the woman was taking care of the kids, and as long as she did a, an okay job of, of, of cleaning the house and doing the laundry and shopping and so on, she did her job. Nowadays, that's not sufficient. Mm-hmm. We have a, a, lot more, a lot more expectations. We want all kinds of things. We want passion. We want... We want intimacy. We want uh, to feel love. We want to to um, um, uh, have so much uh, 
uh, interaction with our husband wife that wasn't required 150 years ago. We didn't expect that. And now we're living to be 80 years old. Back then, when you were 45, you were dead. Okay. There wasn't a problem with worrying about later. It wasn't later. Now we have different expectations. And now you're not getting married when you're 20 necessarily. You may get married when you're 30. And when you're 30, you have a different perspective of life. When you're 20, you're just open to, you just want to be in love. You just are falling in love. You're just in love. When you're 30, you already have your own personality. You already have your own structure. Mm -hmm. Talk about in our book, the movement that you have over a lifetime. Everybody goes through, with few exceptions, these growth patterns where you fall in love when you're in your 20s. Mm-hmm. And you're just madly in love. And then, you, <clears throat> and then you grow up to be late in your 30s and you individuate. You want to be a warrior. You want to conquer. You want to achieve. You want to have your own way of doing things. And that process of moving from one place to the other is much more predominant now, whereas 150 years ago that wasn't happening. People didn't have that opportunity to develop your own stuff. You are too busy surviving and making it work. Can I answer? Yes. We also have a uh, culture where men and women both work. They're outside of the house for many hours. Yes. There's, uh, there's technology with you have unending options for partners online. Um, there's there's uh, millions of people taking uh, antidepressants that uh, disconnects you from the integrated brain. There's, there's so many, you know, uh, cultural changes in the last uh, 20 years that has us, you know, not being um, focused on our, our partnerships and growing them. And, and clearly the whole internet thing, people are very much emotionally related to their cell phones and not to the people in their lives. Big problem. And, and, and people don't have the skills and, and more and more young people don't have skills to interpersonally relate to other people. Hmm. It's a huge problem. Okay. And, and, you know, it's not addressed in modern society so much, but uh, it is a huge problem where, where young people are not learning to look at someone's face and understand what you're feeling. They just hear the voice over the internet and that's it. And they don't have that ability. It's a whole ability to really understand and look at people and understand what they're feeling. And if you can't do it with your romantic partner, it's a big problem. Wow. So with so let's say we're in a relationship and, and let's say the, the cell phone, for instance, is an issue. That the attachment to the cell phone is an issue. Um, how how can one how can someone usher more into an interpersonal relationship without that media need, without that social media or screen need? you have conversations about um you know when when is it okay to be on the phone and when is time to talk together and you you plan your life you have you know lots of responsibilities plus you 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 want time to connect to community um you want to um, have friendships you want to develop your lives so that it's heart-centered and right brain you know balanced we're very left brain in this culture and it doesn't create you know affinity and sensitivity and connection so so just to explain the left brain 
is the computer side of us where we look at the the, the little uh, the little details of what's going on in our life uh-huh. and the, the right brain sees the big picture <clears throat> so when you <clears throat> when you drive a car you see the big picture and you need to see the big picture as soon as you turn on your cell phone and you look at it for just three seconds you look use the other part of your brain the left brain you're seeing a little picture and the, the next thing you know your car is crashing because you weren't paying attention to the big picture we need to spend more time looking at the big picture and having that part of our brain that sees uh, emotional uh, uh, emotional uh, uh, alertness in, in the world, what's going on, and how it feels to see what's happening in other people. And we need to train ourselves to do that. So in relationships, what Barbara and I talk about when we run our classes is we get the couple to make agreements for what's going to work for them. And and it takes time to do that. So um, Barbara and I are ballroom dancers. Okay. And we compete. And it's intense because I love intensity. You like competition. I like competition. <laughs> Barbara likes the, you know, the music and, and, and the holding and being together and spending time together. So it works for both of us. But took time for us to work that out as to what where I used to play softball all the time and then we kind of switched over to this because instead of me being away we can do things together each couple has to find what works for them and you have to make nice requests so when you're making requests you don't want to say I hate you because you're just playing baseball all day I never get to see you no you want to make a nice request like it would really make me happy if we could find something to do that we could be together and okay together. should they find should couples find things they can do together absolutely okay very important very, very important, important. And, right. and you want to find whatever it could be anything it could be dancing it could be tennis it could be bike riding it could be um uh, we're taking walks together in in, um, in nature. You know, there's a time in life where you're raising children. That's a big project you do together. It doesn't last forever, and it's mm-hmm. very precious. But you do that together, and it's very very sweet. And um, what we what I like about ballroom dancing, when we do in person courses, we take our couples to the dance floor, because there's a man's role and a woman's role in dance, and they're not the same. And if you uh, learn your role and you and and you you learn the steps. You learn how to be beautiful together and really enjoy the music and 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 shape your bodies and and develop movement that is just glorious and it's a metaphor for how you can create a relationship where you you know appreciate each other's roles and you together you know create beautiful form and and develop yourself and, and music is such a right brain delicious um you know uh, hobby to be involved with i you know anything that encourages the right brain in our culture right now is a good thing and i can add that um um in ballroom dancing having the man having a certain role mm-hmm. he needs the timing and the direction and the woman has a certain role she extends all the steps and and creates the beautiful flower movement in in your own marriages you need to have different roles. If you do it 50-50, that's a, a, a disaster. You, if, you, if you say you take out the garbage on Tuesday, I'll take it out on Wednesday. That's, that doesn't create energy for passion. 
you want to have different roles where you can thank your partner for what they do. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing that. And and you thank each other, but you have different roles because the different things that make you happy. And so that's what you need to have in a romantic relationship. It's very different from a friendship. You need to have passion. You need to have intimacy. And it's very different from just a friendship. And you have to figure out what works for each of you. It's not the same for every marriage. Each lady, each man have different things that they love. And each of you want to be appreciated by your romantic partner. And you have to express that appreciation. So, so in, a, in other words, we teach women not to nag and complain, which is, you know, <laughs> which is, you know, a real obstacle for men. They, they, you know, they don't want to hear that. They got that from their mothers. That's not sexy. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, but you touched on something just now. It was, it was going into my next question as, as to where you guys stood on 50, 50. That's a big thing. Uh, now you see on social media and everywhere in society is going 50 50 where's the is there such a thing should there even be a thing i know you said no but uh can you elaborate on that a little bit more like why is that why is that such a big issue if people go into that so it's so interesting um nowadays there's the complexity that more and more women are earning more money than men Mm -hmm. look at who's doctor medical doctors, there's more women becoming medical doctors than men now. And, and, and there's, there's many more women making more money than, than men than, than was, was 50 years ago, hugely more. So it changes the whole nature of relationship. You can't create passion and romance having things 50-50. You can create a partnership, but you're going to fall in love with someone else because you mm. can't fall in love with yourself. If you want, if you just want to fall in love with yourself, you should become a monk. <laughs> you don't need someone else. You'd be a priest. But if you want to fall in love with someone else, you have to see them as different than you. And you love that about them, that they're different. If there's no. So in our, in our book, we talk about electrons. Electrons make the whole world happen. Okay. Uh, Every atom wants to have a, a pair of electrons in its outer shell. If there's only one electron, it's attracted to another molecule that has an extra electron. So if you deal with water, H2O, the oxygen wants two more electrons in its outer shell and takes it from the, the hydrogen atoms and they share. And that creates everything in the universe. Every molecule comes because that you want to have two electrons that come together. And when electrons come together, they have to have opposite spins. If there's not something opposite about the electron, they can't come together. And if you want to have passion and intimacy in romance, you've got to have the opposite that attracts you. So you have, uh, we tell the story of Cinderella in our book, um, Ageless Love. The real story of Cinderella is not what you hear from Disney. Okay. In the Disney story, the woman, uh, Cinderella, just, you know, shows up at the at the uh, the dance and runs away and, and the prince runs after her and finds her and she's passive. She didn't do anything much. In the real story of Cinderella, Cinderella made her own dress. Cinderella um, uh, walked to the ball. 
Cinderella dance with the uh, the prince and then ran off at dusk and the prince ran after her and couldn't find her and he had to run after her three times and then the, the last time he finally figured out where she was more or less and then uh, Cinderella didn't run out and say here I am no he, he had to run after the uh, sisters who cut off their toes to fit in the shoe and wow. then finally Finally, the prince figured out that it was Cinderella was was his woman. So you see, Cinderella didn't just run after the prince. She she played this kind of a uh, a game that's a, a fulfillment game where she was the opposite. She was like beautiful, like a bird, and made the prince run after her. That's what creates romance. It doesn't. It's not created by fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, it's complicated. We have a culture now where women want to be independent and have their own source of money. They don't want to be dependent on a man. So you get together and you both have incomes. And that causes you to have to talk as partners. What um, you, you save your you put your money together and you make decisions how you use your money. And um, and it's it, it, it this is a more complicated time for sure. Um, and that means you have to think through what you value and you know what money is energy so what do you what is what are the hierarchy of where you want to put your energy towards and it takes serious conversations because and you're equal so you you think it out together and you make decisions and um you know you have two independent people uh who are uh, committed to each other and it's uh it's in many ways it's richer and um but it's not as easy as it may have been in previous times okay Okay, I'm going to get into uh, your book a little bit, Ageless Love, um, The Sexy Science of Falling in Love Forever. Really like the title. Um, How'd you guys come up with the idea for the book? Well, I'm an anti-aging specialist. Barbara's the marriage counselor who uh, deals with the the individual uh, 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 psychologically. I deal with them as uh, from the physiological point of view. So I am very much into staying youthful your whole life through mm-hmm. using bioidentical hormones, peptides, and other growth factors that help you stay youthful your whole life instead of feeling like I'm 73 and Barbara's 72. Instead of feeling like you're old and let's just sit around and watch television, you want mm-hmm. to have that vitality. So that's part of ageless love. And then the other part um, that we talk about in our book, I teach meditation classes. Very important to have that balance inside your physiology, where your hormones and your brain waves are all balanced in a certain way, where you feel creative and you feel energy and you're not stressed out. So that's all part of ageless love. But then the whole first part of the book is about what makes romance special and how to make romance work. And part of that is the science and part of that is the psychology. So, so uh, uh, part of the, the, the science of romance is that romance is so different than other kinds of love. So if you have love of a brother or sister and you haven't seen them for a year, you just are right back there loving them say how's this going and how's that going and wow and and you're right back there if you have a romantic partnership 
and you don't see your romantic partner for one year, that's a big problem. You yes. cannot get right back together because romance is like fire and the brother and sister love is like the ocean. It's just there. But when fire goes out, it takes time to rekindle it and get it going again. Mm -hmm. So what we teach is how to make romantic love there all the time. You have to constantly feed it and you want it to stay alive over a lifetime because it's not going to end when you're 45 and you're going to have 40 more years where your hormones are way down and you need to have that as part of ageless love. Okay. okay. Um, in chapter seven uh, of section one, uh, you talk about living as a wave. What what did you mean by living as a wave? So in science, we understand that um, in a, uh, uh, if you take a photon of light and, and uh, you push it through a, um, a, uh, a screen, you can see that that um, electrons and photons have the ability of being a wave or a particle. A particle turns it into a localized kind of a thing. A a but but it can go either way. You mm -hmm. can have electrons and photons being either a wave or a particle. When a scientist looks at the the electrons going through a a, a certain screen, it turns it into a particle. If they're not looking at it, they go back into being a wave. In our own lives, we can be either one, a wave or a particle, depending upon how we think about ourselves, how we think about our relationship. And if you're able to be a wave, you don't react to your partner's stuff. You just listen to it. You're open to seeing what's really going on there and okay. that allows you to really have a different way that you show up in a relationship and a different way that they show up if you're showing up as a particle you're bouncing off of them and hitting and so on and so we teach the couples how to be a wave where you can see the big picture it's kind of like using your right brain and constantly driving the car you're not looking at the individual things going on. You're seeing the big picture and you have to live in that big picture more in present life. So we want our, our partners to be waves so that when we're sharing whatever we're, we're thinking about, that they'll respond open-heartedly, listen to us and not react. A particle by mm -hmm. definition reacts. Okay. Oh, so we shouldn't, we shouldn't react initially. If you can, if your if your nervous system can be a wave, that's that's the best. That's the um, best way. Okay. Yeah. But you know, you, it, it happens so fast. You have to learn how to manage yourself. You have to you do. learn how to be a wave. That makes us the best part of uh, the the best partners. And um, uh, you know, if if you're only one partner can complain at a, at a time, you know. So you have to understand if your partner's complaining, you have to listen and hear you know, what they want if they're not, so, if they haven't sorted themselves out properly and they're just, um, you know, going off, you have to, you know, stay open hearted. And that's what a wave is. They can listen and be generous and, um, and, and not react. And because um, if you react to someone who's upset, you have an upset and it goes on for, you know, and it's damaging. It, it, uh, it eats at your energy and it discourages you about love and, that's not that's not good. So with the, the 
the metaphor of wave and partner and particle can you know be a at least intellectual um, parable for how we can choose to be rather than just react. Okay. Okay. So so come Dr. Barber, coming into a situation, hearing your partner's requests doesn't require any action action initially. Well, you, you just listen and understand, and maybe you can do what they're asking. If they're, mm-hmm. if they're not, if, if they're, if they're making a request, that's that, you know, and it's a nice tone of voice. That's, that's easy. You either can do what they ask or you negotiate it. Okay. If they're asking in an unpleasant way, um, you, you know, you, you have to uh, uh, resist reacting to the attitude uh, or you can ask them to, to speak. You're, you're open to hearing whatever they want, but you'd like them to speak in a nicer way. Um, but you know, the idea is, you know, if there's only one person in a partnership can react at one time, if you have two people reacting, it's chaos and we've all been there and it's, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, no, neither of your, your purposes get served. Okay. Okay. Um, so in section seven, we're going to get into the, uh, the eight prescriptions you guys had. Now the first one. You know, I, I see it as obvious. He says, prescription one, uh, understand and accept that the long-term relationship, uh, long-term romantic partnership, uh, you will not always experience a smooth ride over the years. Shouldn't that be completely understood coming in that it's not always going to be all peaches and cream? Well, you'd think so. But, you know, well, uh, first love is really, I mean, the, 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 the initial romance is so, it's like a drug. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we all think it's going to be that way forever, uh, but life gets complicated. And and the, the you know the, the changes that happen in in my experience and and most people experience if if you have a relationship when you're 20, when you're 30, it's a different relationship. You each are more individualized. You're you're more uh, in your own thoughts and desires that get clarified. And mm-hmm. although it may be a little different for men and women, men will get there quicker if they're working and women a little slower if they're if they take care of the kids. But they you both get there. And that's a different relationship when you're 35 than when you're 20. And it's a different relationship when you're 45 or 50 than when you're 35. It's different. You move into different stages. So you're much more independent when you're. 30 than when you're 20 and then when you get to be 40 something years old or 50 something years old you're frequently much more looking to get into your heart into your emotions and whatever you were doing earlier doesn't work for you now you, you want to do things that are more into your feelings and your heart as you get older and how to recreate the relationship is a real issue so those things will happen and and the transitions are require the skills that Barbara and I are talking about it, it just is not like an automatic phenomenon oh now we're different oh let's, let's just change no it's it takes it takes skills to get there okay uh, then you had prescription two 
Um, when you have a serious or sensitive subject to discuss, make an appointment with each other uh, so that you both can uh, give the cons- conversation your undivided attention. We talked, y'all referenced that earlier. I thought that was uh, when I first read it. Um, I thought it was actually a good idea. I'm, I'm, I'm in the club of we gonna deal with this now. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> that's that's kind of why I'm, you know some of my stuff don't quite go quite right. Is I'm in the I'm not going to bed mad. We not. I'm not. Don't talk to me later about it. I want to talk now. Um, but this is more beneficial, you say. Right. Well, it gives you a chance, first of all, to think over your point of view, and it's you set aside time without interruptions to sit down, and and we have rules for that. You, it's not. Uh, um, there's. Uh, you have a certain amount of time to talk. You you can't um, talk talk on and on filibuster it. Uh, okay. you know, there's, there's rules about how to talk so that it's comfortable for both partners. And then we also have rules where once you've talked about it, you don't talk about it again for 24 hours. Oh. Talk- I thought you were gonna say I thought you were gonna say forever because uh, no. some women I've dealt with they 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 want to talk about it whether it's 24 hours, 48 hours, five hours they they want to bring it back up. But but you see but but you have to balance out each of your desires. One may not want to talk about it at all. The other one, it's real critical that you you talk about it. So if you have five minutes or so every 24 hours where you talk about this, this, uh, this process that is upsetting one of you, that is, is critical to making that marriage work. And then you have a chance to process it and think about it and understand your partner's point of view and clarify your own point of view. And that is how you gradually see the other way that, that you, can, uh, you can perceive the world in a new way. And then you have solutions that work and that you have to compromise and work at it. But that's a process that we highly recommend. Very important to do that if you want that relationship to work. It sounds very disciplined and it is, but it forces you to think deeply about something and not just repeat your point of view over and over. Um, you know, and you'll, you'll find there's different layers to the, to the subject that you're talking about and you'll get to a deeper resolution. You're going to go through after you say the same thing a few times, you're going to be finished with the anger part. Then you're going to deal with the hurt part. And then after you get through the hurt part, then you're going to be talking about the, the fears that you have of losing this and losing that and so forth. And then and then eventually you're going to fall into more of a, a, a understanding uh, that brings some forgiveness. And, and uh, uh, it takes time to move through these stages, but this is what maturation is. This is what the growing in wisdom is. You really have to listen to your own feelings and your partner's feelings. And one thing we haven't talked about is how our personal histories growing up in our families play mm-hmm. into our marriages. Okay. And, uh, and, and so a lot of issues get are labored by um, in, you know, confusions and hurts from our childhood. For example, mm-hmm. um, I, was, I was raised, my mother was divorced. I was raised without a father for eight years and, um, and then she remarried. And there, there are themes that come from my personal story that over the years have come up and and they I've had a chance to relook at them and, and, and in many ways heal them because you know Michael is the man in my life and he's you know uh, he's uh, responded to 
the behaviors that I've needed to help heal the, the hurt from not having a dad for eight years. Okay. So we all have, we all have issues like that from parents who love us greatly, but life is life and it, it, no parents are perfect. Correct. Yeah. There's no, there's no one way to parent. Um, okay. Uh, prescription three, uh, practice focused listening, which means listening without interrupting uh, CL. Listen Correct. without interrupting. Correct. <laughs> Got to stop interrupting. <laughs> All right. Uh, then <laughs> number four, in a positive way, uh, share the specific behaviors that describe how you want to be treated by your partner. Say, it would really make me happy if. Now, as a man, can I really say that? Yes, it'd be a good thing to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then you, you plug in whatever it is. Because when you say that, you're giving your partner the option to say, no, I won't do that, or no, I can't do that, or, well, I can't do that, but I could do this. So you may say to your partner, it would really make me happy if if um, we went out to dinner every night to a local restaurant where we can talk and speak and so on. And then you say, oh, well, I can't do it every night. I could do it this night and that night, but the other nights won't work. And, and when you say it would really make me happy if you're not saying, if you don't do this, then all hell will break loose. You're not saying that. Mm-hmm. You're just saying it would really make me happy. And then the partner has the option of, of negotiating. And, and, and whatever they say, the rule is you have to just be happy with it. If they say, no, I can't do it. There's no consequence. You can't start swearing at them and telling them how long they are. So you just say you really make me happy if, and you make lots of requests. So if you get 12 requests and three of them, they say, okay, I'll do it. Well, that's good. You've got three. So play the odds. Basically play the odds. (laughs) (laughs) The great thing about making a specific request is that you go beyond complaining. It means this is what it will take for me to stop complaining. This is what okay. I want. It forces a partner to get to the bottom line. What do you want that will make you happy? Because complaining just eats at the energy of a relationship. Yeah. It I, does. I can see that. Eats right. at the energy. Okay. Um, all right. Number five, uh, we got uh, explore the idea that you and your partner are different in how you see the world. Accepting your difference, accepting your differences creates a more authentically happy relationship. Right. And so that's so important because the reason why you fell in love with your partner was that they're different from you. If they were the same as you, you would have a partnership that's like a legal agreement, two lawyers. Well, there you have affinities for sure, but there are differences <laughs> in chemistry. Right. And without the differences, you're not going to fall in love with them. So you've got to accept the fact that, yes, you're alike in so many ways, but in some ways you're different. And so... I have differences from Barbara. I am more likely to, you know, uh, do some sudden new activity, some new investment or new project or new this or that. And Barbara likes doing the same thing for 40 years. (laughs) Everything's the same. I had a struggle with her to move her to my new office because she wanted to stay in the old office, but uh, she has her things and and while it's little uh, difficult for me, that's what I love about her is that she has some differences, but she has things that I absolutely love about her. We love 
reading the same kind of things. We love thinking about things and doing these these uh, intellectual things that we like, writing books and all this stuff. But there are differences, and you have to understand that it comes from who Barbara was as a child. When when I first met Barbara, so so weird, and and the first time I met her parents, I never experienced something like that. We had dinner. There were uh, five of us at the dinner, and Barbara's parents and one friend of theirs, and one person talked at a time, and <laughs> there were five courses, and and everything was just just orderly and just my mother served and it was all proper i had never explained when i was growing up you had 12 people eating and you say okay let's let's start eating and if you didn't grab the food quickly (laughs) (laughs) when you were talking if you didn't say it fast there were three people interrupting you and taking over the conversation I, i i it was like not my experience at all so but that leads to different kinds of things for us and we have to accept that barbara has her differences and this is what she thinks when we have people over this is she wants to have two people maybe four but that's it i like having 12 15 20 people over so it's different we have to have agreements of how to make it work and we have to understand that she's not doing it to punish me So Michael's brought me to group experiences. I've brought him to very personal, intimate conversations. Um, Michael uh, has uh, introduced me to meditation, and mm-hmm. I've uh, contributed to him music and dance. So we have, you know, we have differences, and part part differences are family background. Some differences are have to do with temperament. That we're not all introverts. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us are concrete. Some of us are abstract. Some people like making decisions really quick, and some people delay decisions. Uh, some people think their way through things. Some people feel their way through things. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of differences that go on between two people. And over a lifetime, you learn about the differences, and you negotiate how to partner and respect each other with your differences. Okay. Well, that's, that's I, I got to start respecting my dif- the differences. All right. Um <laughs> Uh, prescription six, uh, distribute distinct chores and responsibilities for each partner so that you can appreciate your partner for what they do. Okay. Now I'm, I, I, I'm the, I'm the person that likes to cook. So basically can I tell her, go take the trash out because I like to cook. You can ask her to it's take the ne- trash. <laughs> and, and if she agrees, great. And if she doesn't, she finds something else, you know, so it needs, the chores need to be distributed. Right. Okay. So, you know, so Someone has to shop for the food. Someone has to clean up, you know, the uh, the dishes. Someone has to throw out the garbage. And and there's all these different chores to do. Our recommendation is you just split up the chores as much as possible. Uh-huh. Where where one person does this, one person does that, and then you thank them for what they're doing instead of being a fifty-fifty and. Uh, there's no thanking because I did it Monday. You're doing it Tuesday. You just say thank you for cooking. This was so delicious. Wow. Was, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't be getting thank yous. I don't be getting thank yous. Go home and ask for that. Oh no, I'm. I, hey, listen. I'm next time I cook something, I'm gonna ask for a thank you. Yeah, yeah. It would really make you happy if your wife. I'm gonna use that. It would really make me happy if you thank me for cooking. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, I'm going to use that one. <laughs> um, prescription seven. Um, in the quantum field, there are unlimited possibilities. Therefore, we want you to think about what you want for yourself in a romantic relationship. I do find that a lot of people that you know you might speak to or you might see, they don't really think about themselves in a relationship. They really conform to what the other person wants. Do y'all see that a lot in the couples that you deal with? Um, when when you're young, yes, you uh, you uh, adapt. That doesn't last very long. It lasts, you know, max ten years. Oh wow! And that's why you know you get into the conflict when you wake up and you realize I'm I've been doing this, but I'm not happy. I feel I feel uh, confined. I don't feel like our love is alive and and exciting. I don't feel like you see me. And and you know, if you just adapt to a role, you lose touch with yourself. You have to learn how to reconnect with yourself first before you can share with a partner. So it, it leads to a crisis. And yes, mm-hmm. many people divorce at that point. But um, that that really isn't the. That's an invitation to go deeper, really. Wow. Okay. Uh, and you guys, it, that was that wasn't the last one. I'm sorry. Got one more. Okay. <laughs> uh, to experience what you most desire, a great love and ongoing expansion of the heart and mind with a partner, take concrete steps. What do you guys mean by that? So the concrete steps will be taking our classes to deal with these challenges of a romantic partnership. Mm-hmm. You always have to be working to maintain that fire, to, to add the the, the, uh, the fuel to the fire to keep romance alive and passion alive. And you have to do things to make it happen. A lot of what you need to do relates to the classes and courses that we're talking about uh, to learn all these skills. And, and people can go to, um, uh, uh, they can get the book through um, agelesslovebook.com. They can, uh, uh, they can go to our website, fallingaloveforever.com. And mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things you can do, practical things. It's not an intellectual thing that you're just going to get uh, quickly. You, you're, you're talking about learning to play basketball or ballroom dancing or something. You, you, it takes skills. You've got to learn the skills. You've got to own it. So that's real critical. If the passion is going away because you're 50 years old now and your hormones are fading away, then you, you want to you deal with that. You want to stay youthful. You want to feel that passion. And so you may need to see a doctor like myself who, who does that kind of thing. So uh, my website, ocwellness.com, is, is a website that gives you a lot of information about all these things you can do that are physiological to okay. make your passion. So I would want your listeners to know that back in the day when we were in our 30s and we got into that really difficult place, that uh, we, I, we fell into the hands of a mentor who helped us greatly. Uh, I think I think most couples need some some leadership, some um, support uh, with someone who's older who knows how to get through this phase. I was a I was a um, chaplain at St. Joseph Hospital, um, and uh, my my uh, supervisor just happened to be a wise man, who um, who uh, really led us uh, to help us take the first steps uh, through this the maze of of um, negative reinforcement that. Um, that we were in and many couples are in 
my heart goes out to couples like that. And I would want you to know that even though it looks like your partner is uh, your enemy, um, it's it's a phase. And if you if you are, are willing to learn new things, you, it opens up into something so different and beautiful. Okay. Well, all of the links that you guys talked about and how they could sign up for you, we're going to go ahead and put um, in our description. And um, if you're interested in Dr. Michael or Dr. Barbara's uh, classes or you want to grab the book, um, you can go ahead and click the link in the bio. Um, is there any last words you have? Uh, we want to thank you wholeheartedly for thank taking you. the time to be with us. Uh, we invite you to come back anytime you'd like to. Um, but any last words for our audience? Just we wish all you, you individuals and couples, we wish you deep and abiding love. It's it's a great way to live life. And And I would say that being in romantic partnership is a critical part in your own personal fulfillment being here on this earth. To not be in romantic relationships is very, very difficult. As you get older, you feel like your life is like not really worth a lot. And you missed out on something really, really big. And you did. And being in relationship pushes you to grow and develop, mm -hmm. pushes you to become the fantastic human being that you want to become and it's not designed to be easy and it's not designed to be simple it's designed to press you like if you want to be a great basketball player like kobe bryant nobody practiced more than him i mean he was just like incredible that's what you need to do in your romantic partnership you need to be practicing all these skills so that you can develop yourself okay all righty. Uh, thank you once again. Uh, you guys have uh, social media that you want to uh, plug in? We we uh, we do have a variety of, uh, <laughs> of uh, social media sites that I can't tell you specifically, but, uh, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook and so forth. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Thank you once again. If y'all can hang on one second while we close the show out. CL, great conversation. It's another one. Yes, hey, sir. What we bringing? Uh, tell the people how they can find you, C. Find, you can find me on Instagram, <laughs> like always, man. <laughs> you can find us here every Monday and Wednesday, and you can find me on Instagram and Snapchat at The Ninth Wonder, on Facebook, Yoshi English, and on Twitter at I am Kochi underscore. Until the next time, y'all, we're out. <laughs>